I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for, no kidding, Friday, April 1st, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Well, it's almost International Fact Check Day. We'll talk about that later on in the episode. But what I wanted to talk about at the beginning here was, I think it's really interesting following the developments in Rome, where the Assembly of First Nations are meeting with the Pope, hoping for an apology for residential schools. They're pretty confident or optimistic that it'll happen, but we'll we'll have to see. It would really be something for the Pope to come to Canada to issue an apology. I don't know what's, if it's going to happen. I thought it would be far-fetched that they got an audience in the Vatican. So, This is what's kind of interesting is that uh, he's not doing it in Canada. He actually, that was refused. So he'll do it. They think he's going to do it in Rome, but he won't come to Canada to do it. What's also pretty interesting about it is I didn't know about this, but obviously the Vatican has a trove of historical documents and artifacts that they're also trying to access and repatriate. And if you've ever been to the British Museum, it's filled with that. It's just a lot of items that, you know, there's no better way to put it, but that the British stole from these places and brought to London. And they're trying to do the same thing with all the artifacts and historical documents of the Vatican. Yeah. And some of them are hundreds of years old. I was hearing today on the radio, 400 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I hope they get them back. I hope the Pope apologizes both in Rome and here, but it's just interesting to see how you have to confront history and how there's a number of different people and organizations and institutions and places that are trying to reconcile with obviously a very, very problematic past. Yes, absolutely. And and good on the leaders for, for being in the Vatican and having their voices heard. Good luck. Brett, aside from the trip to the Vatican, what are our stories today for the Peak Pals? For our first story, strategic oil. For our second story, ruble rebound. And for our third story, highly credible. For our first story, President Biden announced a massive release of the U.S.'s Strategic Petroleum Reserve as the administration is trying to combat soaring prices at the pump. And this is in a story in the Washington Post. So, Brett, I guess the question on everybody's mind is what's happening and will it reduce gas prices? Well, that's what it's intended to do. I guess we'll have to see what the actual outcome is. Obviously, by the way, oil has been going down, but gas prices continue to be high. And so it's it's all very confusing. So the reserve that Biden is releasing is the largest known emergency supply of petroleum in the world. It's underground tanks in Louisiana and Texas, and it has capacity for 714 million barrels of oil, but currently hold close to 568 million. The White House will look to inject a million barrels of oil into the market every day for the next six months, which effectively offsets the 800,000 barrels of oil the U.S. imported daily from Russia before halting imports after Russia invaded Ukraine. Now, you're probably wondering where all this magical oil came from, by the way. I never knew that there was this massive depository of underground barrels of oil that every country was keeping, but that's actually what's happening. So all 30 members of the International Energy Agency, we've talked about them a bunch recently, but they're required to keep a strategic petroleum reserve handy. That's equal to 90 days of the previous year's net oil imports. So Canada, Denmark, Mexico, Norway, the United Kingdom, and the United States, they're actually exempt from this requirement since they export more than they import. But the US, they keep it they keep it underground just in case as a rainy day fund. Well, the rainy day is here. And strategic reserves are also not to be confused with proven reserves, which for the US is about 48.3 billion barrels. Canada is close to 171 billion and refers to oil that is known to exist that could realistically be sourced, but hasn't yet been tapped. And if you haven't picked it up already, here's why it matters. Well, this is a fun fact. Canada boasts the world's only strategic maple syrup reserve. It is one of the two IEA members joined by Norway to not have a strategic oil reserve. So we've got, we're heavy on syrup, not so much on oil. However, unlike Norway, Canada cannot supply its population with domestic petroleum products alone under normal circumstances. let alone if there's a significant crisis. And so it it gives you some food for thought about whether we should be developing our own strategic reserve of oil. And I guess we'll have to see what happens in the US, whether it actually does take gas prices down to see how effective 
releasing that oil will actually be. For our second story, one month after Western nations smacked Russia, I tried to <laughs> clap my hands there, but with unprecedented sanctions that put pressure on the country's financial system and reduced the ruble's value to an all-time low, the currency surprisingly has almost fully recovered. I, I don't get it. Uh, Jay, what's going on? How does that work? What's happening? I'm going to try to tell you why I think it's working as best as I can tell. But Russia has propped up the ruble to levels seen right before the invasion of Ukraine through extreme economic measures. And here are some of them. They've doubled the country's interest rate to 20%. They've ordered exporters to swap foreign currency reserves for rubles. They're banning Russian brokers from selling foreign securities. They're banning residents from making bank transfers outside of Russia. And they're ordering energy-dependent countries to pay for Russian gas in, you guessed it, rubles. It's pretty interesting. It seems to all have worked, and this is not going according to plan, at least for uh, the West. So just last week, President Joe Biden boasted about the effects of sanctions on Russia, saying, quote unquote, the ruble almost is immediately reduced to rubble, which is obviously no longer the case. And so it was, I I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) I don't either. Although it's an okay line, like someone in the press office probably got a high five for that. They were so happy with it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess someone in the press office gets 20 bucks every time a dad joke is told in a Joe Biden speech. It's okay. It's probably not a great joke, especially as it's rising now. So the ruble is rising. And as it does, some experts are questioning how effective the West sanctioning tactics have been, and others are calling on the West to ratchet up sanctions even further. Now, the counter to this is that Russia's measures, while effective, are only temporary fixes. The country's economy is still in a dismal state, with recent projections saying it will shrink by 10% by the end of 2022. And nobody actually buys or uses rubles unless they've been coerced into doing so, like Russia is doing right now with oil and gas exports. And for our final story, just in time for International Fact Checking Day, which is April 2nd, which is the day that I know I have circled on my calendar for years in advance, Google is introducing a feature that tags news stories with a label that measures the reliability of sources. Brett, what is this new Google thingy? And how will the Peak Daily receive the label of most reliable source? How do we get that to happen? We don't need a label. Peak Pals know we don't need a label. Peak Pals know that we are the number one business news podcast in Canada because of that reliability that you can count on every single day. But here's how the Google labeling does work for those who care about labels. The highly cited label will work to combat disinformation by letting users know if an article has been frequently cited by other news organizations. Google is also rolling out what they're calling rapidly evolving topics, which is a feature that warns users if the topic they're searching for is still developing and improving its, this is something else, about this result feature, which gives users more context about websites they find in search results. And if you're wondering why Googling is adding all these labels now, a Ryerson study from last year found that 50% of Canadians regularly receive fake news through private messaging apps like WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. This is a phenomenon that has only been exacerbated by the ongoing troubles of the pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And other tech companies have also tweaked their disinformation features this past month, with Twitter expanding its community fact-checking program and Facebook, of all companies, rolling out new tools for group admins to reduce disinformation, which brings us to this really important bottom line, Brett. So tech companies used to take a hands-off approach to disinformation. They relied on user self-regulation, but as they get raked over the coals by users and regulators in recent years, they are now realizing the importance of being proactive rather than reactive when it comes to dealing with false and harmful info. And Google believes that these labels might just be the trick. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to. And only 
daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, it strikes me that we might not want to be the only country that has a maple syrup reserve, but not an oil reserve. We might want to get in on both of that, both of that action. Yeah. They should, other countries should be upset that we're the only ones with the maple syrup reserve. That's right. But we could probably add a little oil to our reserve as well. We, we have enough <laughs> to spare, I think. So maybe we should get on that. We'll, we won't put it anywhere near the maple syrup, but we should have a reserve yeah. just in case. 